I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Marched out 
and came in leading them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Amen. Amen. So for those of you who are joining us for the first time, um, we have been working our way through a series um, on, called, um, on the Enneagram, and every week we have been having the band introduce this number to us through a song. And so some of you may know this very well. Here's what I think. I think Saul was an amazing 
an amazing individual who was thrust into an incredible position of leadership and it was excruciatingly difficult for him but because of his obedience to God he transformed and changed the nation of Israel Today we're talking about King Saul, an amazing individual. If you know the story, most of you know it because it ends in this like cloud of dust and some big emotional rants and he tries to throw spears at people. <laughs> this is our four. I know that last week we talked about America, America being the home of the brave and the land of the three. <laughs> well, in America, we kill fours. We kill them. It's what we do. We eat them up and we spit them out. But we need them. So if you're in a family or in a group of some kind or a church of some kind and there are no force in it, you need to go get yourself one. Because they feel, they feel the heart of God. They feel your feelings. They feel their own feelings. If you're a three, you absolutely need a high four in your life. They know your feelings better than you know your feelings because they feel so deeply that's who they are. And it's wonderful who they are. So fours today, put down your spears and listen up. <laughs> today we're back in 1 Samuel. You notice how we talked about Jesse last time? We're just continuing a little bit past this story. We're back in 1 Samuel. Samuel is one of the most important characters in the entire history of our faith. He led Israel for a significant period of time, and he's at the end of his life now. He's at the end of his life, and he's not doing well. And he's an amazing leader, but he was a horrible, horrible dad. And so he raised some idiot sons, and Israel is freaking out about it. Freaking out. Who is now going to lead the nation of Israel? We love Samuel, but his boys make us nervous. And so Israel begins clamoring for a king. You've heard me talk about this before. They want a king, and so they go to God and ask for a king, and what does God say? No, no, you do not need a king. I'm your king. I'm your king. I'm your king. You don't need a king. And they ask again, and they beg God, and they beg God, and they beg God for a king. And finally it says God relented and told Samuel to give them the desire of their heart. And so Samuel calls the people of Israel to meet um, with the Lord at Mizpah, it says. And he says, this is what the Lord God of Israel has declared. I brought you from Egypt. I rescued you from all the other nations who were oppressing you. I was your king, says God. But though I have done all this for you, you're still in misery and distress, and you're, you've rejected me today. And so you want a king? Have one. This is what God's people do. They want to be led by their own feelings, their own desires, and not by God. And God says, fine, you get a king. I'll give you a king. You don't get to elect that king. I'll choose that king for you. Because you've rejected me today to gather all the tribes together, present yourselves in front of me today. And so all 12 tribes of Israel come and gather around Samuel and before God. And God doesn't, doesn't allow them to choose. God says, I've chosen a king for you. And if you're a four, you're freaking out, and you're freaking out right now, know this. God chooses a four to be the first king in Israel's history. Fours, the, the world and all the tribes and all your peers and all the people will never realize how special you are 
but God does. God sees you for who you are. And so Samuel brought all the tribes before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen, it says. And they bring forth each, um, each family from this tribe. And let me tell you something about the tribe of Benjamin. A few chapters earlier in Judges, they all get together at Mizpah again earlier. All the tribes gather there and they're to take a vote on whether they're going to completely eliminate the tribe of Benjamin because of how wicked they are, because of how sinful they are, because of how insignificant this tribe is. But in electing Israel's first king, God chooses from the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin was the smallest tribe, the most insignificant tribe, the most loathed tribe in Israel, and yet the first king in Israel's history is to come from this tribe. The tribe of Benjamin comes before the Lord, and the family of the Matrites is chosen. And then finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them, it says. And I love what happens next. Okay, now we know who our king is. We just elected our new leader. And then it says, when they looked for him, he had run away and disappeared. Why? Because that's what fours do. <laughs> they just do their own thing. They run away. If you're going to put responsibility on them, if you're going to put some kind of structure on them, they're out. They're gone. Here's one person in the audience who doesn't want a king, and that's Saul. Saul does not want to be king. He doesn't want to be thrown in front of everybody. He doesn't want to be forced into a position of great responsibility. They ask the Lord, where is he, God? Where is this king you've chosen? We just elected somebody. Now, now, now we can't find him anywhere. And this is the best, better, even better part. Oh, Saul, oh, Saul, he's just over there, hiding behind the baggage. They find him in the baggage, and they drag him out into the spotlight, and they say, hey, you're our king now. And standing in the middle of the 12 tribes, it says, and Saul stood head and shoulders above everyone else. And if you're a four, you always will. Do you know why? If you're a four, people are, are critical of you. Do you know why they're so critical of you? Do you know why they're envious of you? Do you, you know why they're envious? Because you're gifted, and you're unique, and you're talented, and you are different from everyone else. You don't look like anyone else. You don't act like anyone else. You're just you. And so, so oftentimes what we do in our culture with someone who's a little bit different is we wreck them. Saul stood head and shoulders above everyone else, it says. And then Samuel said to the people, this is who God has picked to be your king. No one in Israel is like him. Nobody is like him. Stop apologizing for being different. Stop apologizing for not feeling like you belong. Stop, God's made you different. No one's like you. No one's like Saul. And all the people of Israel shouted, Long live the king. Until the next chapter. Because you know what it says in the next chapter? Not everybody liked Saul. Not everybody got Saul. Not everybody agreed with Saul. 
Welcome to leadership, Saul. <laughs> Some people didn't bless him, didn't honor him, didn't like him. He's a little different. He's not my taste. Why is he hiding behind the baggage? That kind of freaks me out a little bit. I don't want a leader hiding behind the baggage. I don't want a leader with baggage. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I'm starting to, to feel for Saul a little bit. Two years ago, um, when we first started this church, I had zero dissent. It's like I'm having to write papers about ordinate, for ordination where they're asking me questions about conflict and stuff, and I'm like, I don't have any. No. I'm right, and they know I'm right. This is fabulous. It's fabulous. Uh, it was wonderful. That's how I like it. I'm right. Everyone knows I'm right. I was leading. No one challenged my leadership exactly how things ought to be. But then we're in this new season now. <laughs> totally new season. And there, here's the thing. I'm, I know this season is healthier for the church, but it is not healthier for my ego. Um, for the three wing four I have in me, um, because all of a sudden people feel very free to tell me what they think, and very free to criticize and critique. And, and now what I hear more than anything else is, is not how wonderful I am, but how wonderful Brett is. <laughs> and now more than anything else, I don't hear how wonderful I am, I hear how wonderful Alyssa is. And that unnerves the three-wing four in me and makes me want to go hide behind the baggage, y'all. <laughs> but guess what? It's the best thing to ever happen for our church, right? I've got a little four in me. I, I feel things deeply, and I feel, feel your waning enthusiasm about me and your growing enthusiasm for Brett and Alyssa. And, and if I'm not healthy, if I'm not healthy, it will make me run and hide in my baggage. So let me tell you a little bit about the individualist. The individualist reflects God's uniqueness, God's holy otherness. The Lord God said to Moses, there is no God like me in all the earth. There's no one like me, and I'm going to send you to Pharaoh, who believes that all gods are the same and that all religion leads to the same end. But God said, there's no God like me. And don't you forget that. There is no one like God. Who picks a stutterer like Moses to announce his message? Who picks a teenage woman to bear the infant Messiah? Who picks the guy hiding behind the baggage to lead the nation of Israel? Our God does. Because it wasn't about Moses' words, and it wasn't about Mary's age or status or, or Saul's feelings. It's about the power and glory of God. There's no one like me, God says. So fours reflect God's otherness, God's incomprehensibleness, God's uniqueness, God's mystery. Fours, you know what Moses said? God, I can't talk. God, you picked the wrong one. God, you, you, you should have never picked me. And true fours feel never like they're supposed to lead. I, I'm too different. I'm too other. And, and oftentimes, they're the only ones who can feel and sense the direction of God. 
Everyone else is going their own way, and fours are like, I don't feel like we should be doing this. And I don't really feel like this is right. It, it doesn't feel right to me. They reflect the uniqueness of God. Now the four and the three, they sit together. And the three's motivation is to be successful. They don't really care how they feel. They just want to win at your expense. And I just want to win and I need you to lose so that we all know where we are in the food chain. And the four doesn't want to win. They want to feel like they're doing something that matters. Fours are not going to be interested in, in making a lot of money. That's good for me, because I'm a three that chose to be a pastor, and pastors of church plants, not, I'm not going to be making it rain anytime soon. Fours are interested in doing something that matters. So, so you might send your four to college, spend $150,000, and they'll pick a career path in a community garden, because they like butterflies, or at a nonprofit where they may not get paid this month. That's a four. But it makes a difference. And threes and eights, if you're a parent and you're a three and eight and have a four as a child, this drives you insane. That's, but that's who they are. They, they care about making a difference. And the rest doesn't really matter. Look, you can win, you can win threes, but, but I just, I just want to make a difference. I want life to matter. And so their motivation is significance. When a king dies, the Jews who write about the legacy of a king are always brutally honest. Always. If you stunk, they let everybody know it. And we have long lists of Jewish recounts of how horrible their kings have been. You were so terrible, you don't even get to be buried with the king, sometimes it says. We didn't like you when you were alive, and we don't like you when you're dead. Jews are real. But when Saul passes, in 1 Samuel, it says they loved him. It says when Saul had secured his grasp on Israel's throne, he fought against his enemies in every direction, and he performed great deeds, saving Israel from all those who had plundered them. That's amazing. You can, you can control what you do in life, but you cannot control what people say about you. When you die, when you're dead, people say the truth about you. Saul was an amazing leader, and they spoke that. What's the need of a four? The need is to be special. Listen, if you're a four, you are special. You are unique. Just by being a four, you're unique. There's less fours than of any other number in America. What does a four avoid? Being ordinary, blending in, going by other people's standards. The three wants the label. The four hates the label. Don't confine me to your consumerist fads and your pop culture trends, the four says. I tried to wear my like forest sweater I had today. I really wanted, to, I was looking through my closet trying to figure out what is the most four thing I have. Like, I, I'm a four, I like to party. What says like, I'm four, I like to party, but I also like to preach. <laughs> and, the, and I have purple hair, and I got cool glasses, and it's my birthday, I'm four and all over the place today, right? Uh, a four loves this sweater except that it does have a label on the back of it. 
you had me, Pastor, until you told me there was a label on it. The fours in the room are like, nah. If you really want to want to get in touch with your feelings, you need to sew that shirt yourself on a trip to India, have some kind of spiritual awakening. I don't have that much four in me. I don't. I don't have that much four. I don't need to soak in my own clothing and weave it from camel's hair. I don't need to do that. But fours want want the, that unique factor. They they want to be original. They want to be original. What does a four focus on? Fours focus on what's missing. This is this is the thorn in the fours flesh. Fours can have a hard time being happy because something is always missing. Their deep, deep feelings leads them to feel and sense what's not right until it gets into this place of depression. And what's wrong with this relationship? It just doesn't feel right to me. And what's wrong with the world? It just doesn't feel right to me. And what's wrong with this situation? It doesn't feel right. And what's wrong with this job? It just doesn't feel right to me anymore. And what's wrong with me? I just don't feel right right now. And they can become overwhelmed with what's missing. And they struggle to be satisfied and force if if you're not careful, if they're not careful, they can really kind of enjoy being dark, being depressed. Saul, he gets dark in this story. He gets a little depressed. Matter of fact, they, they have to send a young guy in named David to play the harp, to soothe him, to soothe his spirit when he's seriously depressed, when his this doesn't feel right kind of takes over him. What's the course then of a four? If you're a four, get off Facebook, get off Instagram. It's Enviagram for you. Get off of it. There's going to be somebody else more creative. There's going to be somebody else who thought of that before you did. There's gonna be somebody else who weaves their own shirt out of camel's hair. Don't look at it. This is the madness of like our modern society. Every idea, every unique thing you have, there's someone else who's doing it. And the core sin of a four is envy. I wanna be the most unique. I, I wanna be the most special. I, if you're unique and, and you're special, that's threatening to the four inside of me. I, I get to be the only weird one, the only creep. No, have you looked around? Have you noticed there are fours everywhere? Not as many as there are other numbers of us, but you find unique people everywhere. There are other people on a spiritual journey to India, and you're not the only one doing that. The core sin is envy. I have to be the only one who's creative, who's an individual. There can be no one else remotely like me. And guess what happens in Saul's life? He becomes so preoccupied with a young man named David that he loses complete sight of who he is. Let's go back to the summary of Saul's death. They didn't say they hated Saul. They said they loved him. He protected us. He was valiant. He was loyal to us. The nation grieved when he died. When God anointed David as king, there was a civil war that raged in Israel for 30 years. You know why? Because people were still loyal to the line of David. 
He had their attention. He had their love. They loved him. They were loyal to him. So the core sin for the poor is envy. And here, here is their fear of being unnoticed. Oftentimes, if, if you have multiple children, um, that middle child will be a four. They feel unseen, unheard, unnoticed. They're kind of stuck in the middle, stuck in the middle of life, stuck in the middle of your life. That's their fear. They're just stuck. And oftentimes the fours, they're, they're not going to be valedictorian. They're, they're not interested in competitive sports or performing to succeed. You know what they're interested in more than anything else? And it's respect. It's respectable. They're interested in being themselves being authentically who they are and being around people who allow them to be that. And if you love a four, you need to be interested in that on their behalf because God's made them different. God's made them unique. They're not always into competitions. They don't just, they enjoy life for what it is. We have to appreciate fours because they remind us of the importance of, of having a significance in this world. The fear is being unnoticed. And so a young King David is being raised up. And he's also known to be a warrior. And he's amazing. And he's creative. Famous story isn't Saul and Goliath. The famous story is David and Goliath. And so people start to get excited about the newer, fresher version of Saul. And here's how the women begin to sing this song and spin this song. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. Oh, that's hard. And this makes Saul angry. What is this, he says? They credit David with ten thousands and me only with thousands? Next, they'll be making David king. And just like that, Saul's envy spoke a self-fulfilling prophecy. From that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David, it says. And do you know where Saul's eye should have been? On God. For when God chooses David to be king, this is what God says. Ah, finally, I've found a man who is after my heart, not his own. Fours can become overwhelmed with their own heart, their own emotions, their own feelings, and you can be so consumed with how you feel that you lose your faith altogether. If you've read the Bible, you know David is not perfect. Saul didn't live long enough to, to know that, but David's not perfect. Wait until, wait until we get to the seven. Oh, my sevens. David likes to party. Sevens like to party. Sometimes it's with Bathsheba. Sometimes it's naked worshiping before God. That's weird. Um, but David wasn't perfect. As we round out the feelings triad today, two, three, and four are our feelings triad in, in the Enneagram. As we round it out, what's the underlying emotion for the four? The same as it was for the two and for the three. It's that shame again. Twos are ashamed. They're not good enough unless they're doing something for you. Threes, you're ashamed. You're not good enough, so you wrap yourself in things and achievements. Fours, you're ashamed of being unnoticed, ordinary, not making a difference, not standing out. And what's tragic is that just by being a four, you're special. 
There's less fours than, than any other number in America. You're already unique simply because you're a four. So don't believe the lie. Who told you you were ordinary? Who told you that? Because it's not God. God knows you're special. God sees you. God saw Saul, God saw Saul picked him from the crowd, from amidst the emotional baggage of his life. So, so how does a four need to be real with themselves? Fours, next time you feel sad, depressed, like, like no one notices, like you don't belong, like you're not worthy, like you're not special, like no one understands you really, you, you need to pray this prayer. Thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. Thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. Fours, when you self-pity and call yourself worthless and unnoticed, you are saying that God makes mistakes, that God makes junk. You're just wonderfully complex. Saul's um, depressed because he's not David, but God never created Saul to be David. Don't be anybody else. Be who God has called you to be. And that's rooted in this sense of gratitude, gratitude for who you are, not what's missing, not what's, what's wrong with me, what's wrong with this, what's wrong with this relationship, what doesn't feel right about this, what doesn't feel right about that. Gratitude. Fours often wish, more than any other number, often wish they were every other number. Because your poor son's envy. Why can I be a one? If I was a one, I would shit on people so good. I would just tell them what, yeah, I wish I was a one. Why can I be a two? Oh, if I was a two, I'd be like, Jesus, I would serve people. Why can't I be a three? They're just so successful. Why can't I be a five and be a deep thinker? Why can't I be a six and have my core sin be fear? Because that's like reasonable sin, right? Why can't I be a seven and just have a party? Why can't I be an eight and get to boss people around and tell them exactly what I think all the time? Why can't I be a nine and just chill? Why? Why do I have to be a four, God? Because you're a four. Thank you, God, for making me beautifully and wonderfully complex. Beautifully and wonderfully complex. One last story. My goddaughter is a four. I know she is. Um, she's beautiful and she's sensitive and creative. And she was um, in this gymnastics competition when I was down in Charlotte, um, North Carolina. And I'm a three, and so I go to her gymnastics competition. And I want her to win. I want her to win. Really good at rooting you on if you're going to win. And so they're performing in the middle of this town center, and her routine is going pretty well. And then all of a sudden, she just stops. Just stops. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know this better than everybody else. You are so successful because you're my goddaughter. <laughs> what are you doing? So afterwards, I'm like walking, tiptoeing up to her. Why, why, why'd you stop? Why'd you stop? I don't know. I don't know. There was a bee. <laughs> And I thought I'd be whatever I wanted to be. And then Ashley messed up next to me, and I knew that that hurt her. So I thought maybe I would mess up too. Of course, 
feel. They feel. And I'm over here like, but you're supposed to win! You're supposed to win! And finally my cousin Monica's like, what Michelle really needs is good job. Way to be like Jesus. <laughs> Let me confess to you this. As a, as a, as a three-wing four, as a three-wing four, this is how this is in my life. I, I want to be successful, and I am envious of everyone else who is. Three-wing fours, that's how that, that's how that works in my life. And to, and to be honest, I want to be the best preacher ever. I want that so bad. I want to be the best preacher, and you know what I discovered? God has a whole lot of amazing preachers. A whole lot of them. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And if I'm unhealthy, that will drive me crazy. Fours, you're unique. There's no one like you. There's no one like you. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for making each of us here today marvelously complex. Those who know us, the those who are closest to us, those who know us best, know all the nuances of our complexity, all the ways we drive them crazy, and all the ways that we are worthy of love. I know that there's not a single person in this room today, God, that has not at some point in, in time and life felt like, I, I don't belong, this is, I, this is not right, I don't doesn't feel right and we all have have known what self-pity looks like we all know what it feels like to spiral into envy and we look at the world and we think gosh I must be so insignificant because look at all these other great people you see me and you see each of us every single one of us exactly as we are intimately you know us you you knit us together in our mother's womb to be exactly who we are marvelously unique reflecting the uniqueness of God and so God we we want to be ourselves, make us authentic people, truly authentic, not putting on masks, but exactly who we were made to be. We pray this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. There is peace at the table of the Lord. There is peace at the table.